thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So welcome and happy Father's Day. So let's just have a, a little bit of honour some of the dads. I know not everybody is a dad or maybe some people can't be dads or maybe you're a foster dad or an adopting dad. Uh, if you're a dad this morning, just give us a, raise your hand for us to show us, you. keep your hand up, okay? So excellent. If you're a dad of one, keep your hand up, okay? Keep your hand up if you're a dad of one, okay? If you're a dad of two, keep your hand up, okay? Excellent. If, you, if you're a dad of three, keep your hand up. Wow, dear me, this is... Uh, you know, Dad of four, keep your hand up. Okay. I, w- I want to honour you this morning, okay? That your gift is your children. There you go. Okay. So uh, the Bible tells us that children are a blessing from God. So well done, those of you who've got four grandchildren. And Steph, yours are a blessing to you every day, aren't they? But... Um, it's Father's Day, so I thought, you know, before I crack on with anything else, you need a few dad jokes on Father's Day, don't you? Yeah, yeah, okay. And everyone loves my dad jokes. So uh, I got a job as a scuba diving instructor, but uh, deep down I knew it wasn't for me. Um, it's good, that one, isn't it? What about this one? Which, which type of bear is the most patronising and condescending? A panda. Okay. <laughs> and last one, last one, I like this one. Uh, how do you get a country girl's attention? A tractor. It's good, isn't it? It's clever. Okay, right, anyway, enough, enough of that. Okay. I thought if you don't laugh at anything else, you might laugh at those. So anyway, there we go. So today we're carrying on our passages in Isaiah. We're looking through the book of Isaiah in the Bible. It's a big book. It's a book of prophecy. So some of the things that are written in it are poetic. Some of the things that are written in it are very visual. Some of the things that are written in it are very difficult to understand at times. And some of it's quite hard to hear. And last week we started with a warning that Isaiah gave the people. There was a warning. It was quite a strict warning, but there was still hope and promise. Even in the midst of God saying, you need to change, there's always hope. There's always promise. There's always those things. And God is the ultimate dad. Whatever your experience of fathers on this Father's Day God is not like that father. Even if your father is the best father possible, he is not like that father. He is better. If your dad isn't a great example of a dad, then don't put that on God because God is a brilliant father. He is the best that there can be and he is perfect. Have you had any aha moments recently? Have you had any aha moments? I don't mean you've suddenly started going, take on me. Don't mean that, okay? I don't mean you've suddenly become a moody Norwegian pop band. I mean, it's when you suddenly realize something that's been there all along. Yeah? So, for example, on your petrol gauge on your car, there's a little arrow on the petrol tank. That arrow tells you which side the petrol cap's on. Okay? Did you know that? Yeah, a few people did. Not everybody knows it. I saw a video not so long ago. You know the tomato puree tubes? 
Someone didn't realize that the bit on the top is to pierce the, the foil. That's pretty obvious, I thought, but if you didn't know that, welcome. Um, chopping boards. You know that hole on the chopping board? It isn't the handle to carry it. That's so you can scrape your things through it into your pan without it falling off the edges. Did you know that? Okay, so you chop your stuff and then you feed it through that little hole into your pan. Then you don't make a mess. All right, Joel, where are you? That's a tip, in it? It's good. Okay, great, great, at making, great at making enchiladas, but not great at tidying up after himself. But hey, last one. Mathematic, math, math, mathematicians amongst you, do you know that percentages can be flipped around? So if someone said to you, what's 4% of 75? That sounds like a hard question, doesn't it? But 75% of four is three. And that's the same answer. Just to prove it, what's 10% of 100? It's 100% of 10. Yeah? That's amazing, isn't it? I didn't quite know that until recently. So, um, have you had any aha moments? Because this morning, Isaiah, the prophet himself, has an aha moment. He has a light bulb moment. And we're going to start looking at it today because the first five chapters are full of warnings. They're full of harsh warnings. They're full of, you need to change. Judah and Jerusalem have gone wrong and God is saying, this needs to change. The way you're living has to change. The things you're doing has to change. And if they don't change, it's not going to end well. And God is warning, just as a good dad would do. I explained that last week with some of our stories. But Isaiah 6, suddenly Isaiah himself has an aha moment. So Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to start off reading from verses 1 to 4. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke." So this is his vision. This is what he sees. He sees this heavenly picture of what's going on and what God is doing. And he just goes, wow. There are no firm agreements in the book of Isaiah as to the chronological order of the chapters. It's a collection of his visions that God gave him to deliver. So it's not a story you can necessarily read from beginning to end. And there's some dispute as to where this comes. Some people think that Isaiah has already been called by God and that the various warnings come after that. But many believe that this is a fresh calling. He's been asked to share these warnings with people, and then there's another calling on him. There's a realization in him that he also needs to listen to the warning. Isaiah, the king, was mentioned at the beginning. He was recognized as a good king. He was recognized as a king who did good in the eyes of the Lord. And people would often think, oh, the good old days of Isaiah. Do you know the good old days? Some of you might sit there this morning, do you remember, oh, do you remember the good old days when children were perfect and weren't cheeky? I don't think that ever happened, okay? Or do you remember the good old days when you could leave your back door open, you know? If you lived on a submarine, you'd sink. But anyway, it's Dad's day. It's okay, I can get away with it. Isaiah finished his reign badly. 
He ended badly. He went off the rails. He started prioritizing other things and allowed other worship of other things to creep in. So although it was a good old king and it was the good old days, he still finished badly. And it's important to end or finish seasons and projects well. If you're coming to the end of a season of your life or the end of a project in your life, it's important to finish it well. Don't leave it badly. Don't leave a trail of destruction as you go. Make sure you finish things well. So Isaiah mentions a good earthly king, but then he sees the king of kings. Then he sees somebody who's bigger, who's greater, who's better, who is amazing and is awesome, along with some angels with wings, which we're not going to go into massively today. We might look at that in house groups if you're part of a house group. But the main point to this picture that he sees is that God is great and God is glorious. That is the main thrust of it. The train of God's robe fills the temple. The temple was massive. And just the little bit of God's clothing or the Lord's clothing filled the temple. God is bigger than you could ever imagine. Don't try and make God as small as a human being or slightly bigger. God is massive. So much so that even just a part of the material of his robe in this vision filled the temple. So this vision is saying God is greater than you can imagine. God is bigger than you thought before. God is massive and the whole earth is full of his glory. In other words, look around and see it. Can you not see God's glory? When you look at the world, we live in Cumbria. And you might go, oh, but Barrow. But I love Barrow. I'm from Manchester. I love the fact that I can walk to the beach. We're not far from the sea. I'll often go and sit and look at the sea at Walney. And it's just, even when it's winter and it's boiling and I mean the sea is boiling not the not the temperature on Waldy I don't think that ever happens even in the summer but I might be wrong correct me if I'm wrong but the sea is raging and it's powerful and I can sit there and just go wow because God is great and in this book of Isaiah in this chapter it says the earth is full of his glory the whole earth look around you can you not see it God is big and God is great yeah maybe this morning Your heart is hard. Maybe you're watching your heart is hard. Maybe you've built up defenses. We'll come to that later. But this morning, God is saying, listen, break down that wall. Stop shielding yourself from what I want to say to you. Stop pointing at other people and listen. Isaiah has this aha moment where he realizes the vision is as much for him as it is for everybody else. It's as much for him as everybody else. God is holy. So these angels cover their faces like Moses and Elijah did. They cover their bodies because maybe there's an element of even shame like Adam and Eve. They repeat, holy, holy, holy. In Hebrew, that was really important. The emphasis is just saying, he's not just holy, he's holy, holy, holy. He's three times more holy than you could ever imagine. What does holy mean? Pure, set apart, different. And if you're a Christian today, if you are walking with Jesus, then the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. The Bible says that he's made you holy. He has set you apart. You have been made special because he has said you are. Don't listen to the voices that say you're not. The sounds of these angels would have been a call and response coming from all over the place in that temple. And at the moment, it's really sad that we can't quite experience that in this place to its fullness. But can you imagine the picture? God is great. God is glorious. A cacophony of beautiful singing. Wow. 
sensory overload to the eyes, to the ears, but most of all, it's got to be a sensory overload to our hearts because we need to accept that God is great, that God is glorious, that God is good, and that he is our Father. There's no escape from the beautiful singing, the message they were bringing. And Isaiah suddenly is aware of God's presence and power. In verse 5, he says this, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah has an aha moment. He goes, whoa, I've seen, I'm seeing a picture of God's greatness and glory, and I'm realizing I can deliver these messages, these warnings, but actually I need to listen to them for myself. I need to hear them for myself. He's been tasked with delivering what's coming if people don't change, and he realizes when faced with the holiness of the Lord, he is not just the messenger, but needs to hear the message. This morning, every single one of us in this room and watching online needs to hear the message. Whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever position you're in, we need to hear the message. Aha. <laughs> what's the, what's the realisation? Not only are the people unclean, but so am I. My lips are unclean. I am ruined. I need to hear this. What is God trying to get through to us today? What is God trying to get through to you and me? Because it might be different. But I believe God is trying to get something through to each one of us. And we can choose to accept it or we can build walls. Which are you? Which are you doing? What is he saying today? Because maybe it can be that aha moment for you. But the main message is this. Get ourselves sorted out. Get ourselves sorted out. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. We can't be perfect. Not one of us is expected to be perfect. But we can be holy by just accepting him as our saviour. Isaiah 6 then goes on to say this, verses 6 to 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. It's a bit weird, isn't it, all this? To our ears, we're not used to this. We don't understand some of this imagery. And it's a little bit strange. Angels flying around getting coals and sticking them on his lips. But basically, this is what happens. A coal is taken from an altar, probably one of the altars, which was the altar of atonement. Atonement is literally made at one. So at one meant atonement. Made right, made holy. So this coal is taken from that place that is a symbol of holiness and it's placed on Isaiah's lips and he's told, your sin's gone, you're clean, you're pure, it's dealt with. Strange. Because my question would be this, why just the lips? Why just the lips? It reminded me a little bit of Matthew Chapter 12, verses 34, that says, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And again, that's Jesus' words. Again, Jesus in Matthew 15, verses 18. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from their heart. So in other words, 
The symbol is, in dealing with his mouth, it was also dealing with his heart. Because what comes out of our mouths is what is stored up in our hearts. You know yourself, don't you? When you get a bit angry, and it builds up and builds up and builds up, and then all of a sudden you go, Wah! that's because your heart is being filled with that anger, and it has to come out. Maybe you're full of bitterness this morning. Maybe you've got resentment going on in your life. Maybe there's things that have happened to you that you're not happy with. All of us are in that situation. But don't let it fill your heart so it constantly overflows. Don't let rubbish water come out of your mouth when actually you can have the water of life. You can have the pure, fresh water that Jesus brought. It also reminded me of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. You remember that story? The feet were the important part because in those days, walking around in the dust and the camel dung and other things and donkey dung, whatever, their feet would get dirty. So it was responsibility of the host to make sure that when people came into the house, there was a servant that cleaned their feet up. Otherwise, the stench of the feet would be horrible. And Jesus went for that last supper and nobody did it. Nobody, it was, nobody had been organized to do it. So who did the servant's work? Who did the dirty work? It was Jesus, the King of Kings. He got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet to show that he was a servant. You know, and Peter was like, no, Lord, wash me all over. <laughs> you know, give me a shower, give me a bath. Don't just do my feet. You know, I know I'm not clean. I know I'm not pure. So don't just stop with my feet, Jesus. I can be the disciple that was given a, a full body makeover. That sounds a bit weird. I didn't go there. Take that out of my notes. I can be the disciple that was given a full on pamper treatment. But Jesus said, no, because it's just your feet at this moment in time that needs sorting out. Maybe for you this morning, it's your mouth that needs sorting out. Maybe it's the things you say. Maybe it's the things we say because what comes out of our mouths is what was stored up in our hearts. And do you remember a few weeks ago? We need to get God's word from our heads to our hearts. And if we get God's stuff from our heads to our hearts, then maybe what comes out of our mouths will be better. Just maybe. And Isaiah brings this message. Sometimes we need to just regularly sort out the little bits that are going wrong. We don't need a full-on bath every day. You need a shower though, Warren, okay? You don't need a full-on bath every day, but you need to sort out the little bits. You need to sort out the little bits. By cleansing the lips, in this picture of God's greatness and glory, he's dealing with both. He's dealing with what's on the outside, and he's dealing with what's on the inside. Do you know, God is capable of doing both. I'm doing more of cleaning up your life from the inside out. Do you struggle with bad language? Deal with it. Let God deal with it, but change your heart and what comes out of your mouth will be better. Do you struggle with gossip? Deal with it. Be holy. Do you struggle with anger and getting cross and shouting? Deal with it. Do you struggle with criticism and self-righteousness? Deal with it. Be holy. But let God deal with it as well. He's not leaving you on your own. Get your heart right and your mouth will follow. Isaiah realizes he has an aha moment. He needs to sort his mouth out. And as a result, he needs to sort his heart out. Do you realize this morning that you need to be made right? And it's an ongoing process. It's not a one-off thing. It's a regular process. You don't just take your car to the garage for a service and never take it again, do you? 
you take it for regular services. You don't just go to a dentist once in your life, go, oh, my teeth are fine, I'll never go again. You go for regular checkups. With God, we can go daily and say, God, how am I doing? God, where do I need to get rid of some plaque? God, where do I need to fill the holes? Be regular. Memory verse alert. Right, Jeff? Isaiah 6, verse 8. I'm not going to go through it because I haven't got time. Isaiah 6, verse 8 says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, so he's been made holy, he's been cleaned up, and then he overhears a conversation God's having in heaven. It, it says this, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. Have you ever volunteered for something that you didn't know that you were volunteering for? Yeah? If I said to you right now, put your hands up if you're willing to help me, put your hands up. Do you know, I'm, I'm quite disappointed actually, that even under the pressure of me saying it now in front of people, that there's not more people going, oh yes, Johnny, I'll help you. If you don't know what I'm asking you to do, then you're thinking, I'm not going to, I'll wait. More information, please. Because Johnny, you might ask me to do something I really don't want to do. Isaiah doesn't care. He hears God say, who shall I send? He goes, me, me, me. doesn't know where he's being sent. He doesn't know what he's being sent to do. He just goes, me, me, I'll do it. Why? Because he's so, at this moment, he's been cleaned up, he's been made holy, and he's ready to go, yes, God, thank you. I will do whatever it takes for you. If I said, you know, hands up if you'd like to volunteer, you don't do it. If I said, hands up if you want to come and volunteer to have dinner in a fancy restaurant, who would put the hands up then? Oh, more instant hands there, I tell you. That ain't happening, okay? Because you didn't volunteer the first time. Hands up if you want to volunteer to come and empty Abbey Road in the next two weeks. Oh, well done, Jack, thank you. A few people, okay? What about hands up if you want to come and muck out a stable at Park Farm? Do you know, there's more people volunteering for that than before they knew what it was. I'll tell you, I'll, get Chloe, I'll give you numbers to Chloe later and I'm sure she'll let you come and do that. But it's easier to volunteer and say yes when we know what we're getting into, isn't it? Yeah? Isaiah doesn't know what he's getting into. He doesn't know what for. He doesn't know the scope. He doesn't know for how long. He doesn't know the task at hand. But when God says, who will go, he goes, me. Here I am. Send me. Maybe we need a little bit of that coal touching our lips today. Maybe we need a bit of God's fire anointing us. Maybe we need a little bit more of that touch of God in our lives. And maybe we've allowed ourselves to become a little bit grubby so that we're thinking, actually, hold on a minute, there's a catch. <laughs> Whereas maybe as we get closer to God and we realize the holiness of God and the perfect nature of God, and we realize that he's with us and he will do anything for us, that we're willing to go, yes, me. Because God, I'm on an adventure. I know it's better to be with you than not. I know it's better to go with you somewhere than go somewhere where you aren't. Isaiah goes, here I am. It's unusual for a calling in the Bible to be so non-specific. Moses was said, go to Egypt. And what did he do? Uh, hold on a minute, uh, I can't talk very well. I've got a bit of a stutter. I've got a bit of a speech impediment. Don't send me. Gideon, oh, go and fight this battle. Go and save Israel. Oh, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm poor. So can you see in the Bible, sometimes when it was a specific call from God to do something specific, there was all sorts of excuses. But when Isaiah is met with the holiness of God, 
he volunteers and says, I'll do whatever it takes, God, because you are holy, and I want to be holy with you. I want to be completely with you. Is that our attitude? Well, we need it to be. We need to say, God, make me change. What's the call on you today? Isaiah realizes his problem. He gets it dealt with. Then his ears, once his problem is dealt with, his ears are open to hear God say, I need you. And he is willing to say yes, yes, yes. How are we doing so far today? Have we realized we need to be cleaned up? We need to get sorted? We need to have little checks to make sure that we're on board? Have we realized we need our mouths cleaning up? And have we realized that we need God to deal with it? Are we willing to say, here I am, no matter, where, no matter where God calls you to be, no matter what it is, are we willing to say, here I am, I am willing to be your person? The chapter ends with some very difficult verses that Jesus himself quotes. Verse 9 to 10 says this. He said, go and tell this people, this is God speaking to Isaiah, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Weird, again. It sounds like God's made his mind up that no matter what Isaiah says, the people just aren't going to listen. Actually, it's not God that's hardening the hearts here. It's actually us. It's because as God's message comes to us, and this morning, maybe I've said, you need to clean your mouth up. And some of you have gone, yes. Yes. If you only knew, Johnny, this morning, what I'd said to the cat. And maybe this morning, you know that you've got an issue with bad language or with gossip or with criticism or with all those things. Maybe you know that. And you know what we tend to do? We can accept it and go, I need to change. And we can soften and soften and soften. And we can allow God to give more of his grace, give more of his love, give more of his power. But you know, the other thing that happens is this. We get a little bit challenged and we go, I'm not having that. There's nothing wrong with how I speak to these people. There's nothing wrong with what I say. And what we do is we start to build a brick wall. And we start to build a defense that goes, I'm not allowing God to say, come on, Johnny, you need to change. I'm not allowing God to do that because it makes me feel a bit, but I know that it's for the best. So this morning, are you accepting it? Or actually, as the call keeps coming... Are you raising your defenses higher and higher and higher so God can't get through? Because those are the two options. And I guarantee it this morning that if you are somebody who's stuck in a miserable place, some of it will be because of the defenses you've built up. Some of it's because you've stopped letting God get through. Some of it's because you've stopped allowing his holiness to have an impact on you. Have we built our defenses to God's message so high that we are ignoring the call to change. Because that's what I believe it's saying. Fancy that, Isaiah says, yes, here I am, send me. And God says, I want you to go and preach to this people, but I'm telling you now, no matter how much you preach, not one of them is going to change. That's encouraging, isn't it? 
You know, it's like being told, go and do this, but actually it'll serve no purpose whatsoever. Do you know why? God knows what people are going to decide. God knows what you and your heart will eventually do because he's the beginning and the end and the middle. So today, will you accept his word? I want to finish because the message finishes with a landscape that has been ruined and ravaged. This warning comes with a, a promise that's not very nice. It says, because you're not going to change, things are going to destroy. You're going to end up in exile. You're going to lose that place where you were promised. You're going to end up being moved out of there and you're going to end up with fire ravaging everywhere. I've got some pictures. Paul's going to just put some pictures up for me, I think. I forgot to check this. Hopefully they'll come. Can you see what the, the screen, people in the building? Okay. Can you see those beautiful flowers, those beautiful leaves? They are actually growing about a week after the Australian wildfires that happened. Because in nature... Fire actually can be good. Quite often, things start to grow again once everything else has been destroyed. And that sounds horrible to say, but sometimes we have to take things back and strip things back completely in order to start seeing beautiful new growth. And this is a picture of a flower or a plant growing on the side of a charred tree. That tree has been burnt. There's been fire ravaging that landscape, destructive fire. But actually, there is still hope. There is still promise. There's another couple. Hopefully, we can see them. Can you see all those trees burnt, destroyed, no good? But right at the front, there's like a little palm tree starting to grow. There's green shoots, even in the middle of the destruction, even in the middle of the problem. And finally, these ones here. You can see the grass. This one, again, these are taken a week after fire has destroyed this forest. I think it's amazing that even after such warning and such problem, there is the beginning of new shoots of recovery and new forest is growing. And actually that apparently is part of the life cycle and is good for the forest. Not that we intentionally see it happen, but it's good. There is hope. At the end of Isaiah, there's this picture of if you don't change, there's going to be destruction. There's going to be difficulty. But God says, there'll still be at least a tenth of you, or there'll still be a remnant. There'll still be a seed of hope. There'll still be something that I'm willing to work with. Turn from that problem and you won't see this destruction. But he knew people's hearts were hard. This morning, there are those in here that might say, here I am, send me. If that's you, brilliant. Don't stop saying, here I am. Where does it come from? It comes from the holiness of God. There are those in here this morning who have stopped saying, here I am, who are building walls to block it out, who have changed, who've moved. I've used the illustration this week of a coal fire. You can see a coal fire where all the coals are burning. You take one of those flaming coals and you move it to the side, and what happens? The fire goes out on that one coal. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be with God and with people. We're meant to be together. It's like that old advert, isn't it? We want to be together. Those of you who are old enough to remember. But there is hope. In the forest where there's fire, there's hope. At the end of Isaiah, there is hope that no matter what, God will still be with us. He will be there if we turn. So this morning, I finish with this. God says, be holy. 
Maybe that starts by sorting out our mouths. And if we sort our hearts out, then our mouths will follow. If we sort our hearts out, our mouths will follow. Maybe this morning God is saying, you need to start volunteering for me. You don't need to ask me what, where, when, and how. You just need to say, God, I am willing. I will do whatever it takes so long as I'm on the journey with you. And finally, there are some in here and there's some watching online who your hearts are hard. You've become hardened to the message. You've become hardened to the love of God. You've become hardened to the love of people. You've become hardened to the, to the prompts that God is regularly giving you to stop, to turn, to change. Well, God says today, I can take that heart of stone and I can replace it with a soft heart, a heart of flesh, a heart that says, here I am. Do you know what Jesus said for you? Here I am. He said, here I am. I'll be the sacrifice. I'll do whatever it takes for you. Are we willing to be holy, to be set apart? Because if we are, he'll use us. Have you had an aha moment where you realize you need to get it sorted? Don't delay. Don't let others stop you. Sort out your life with God and things will be full of hope. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning on this Father's Day that we will be more and more aware of the Father heart of you. Father, let us know that you as God are holy. Father, I thank you for this picture that Isaiah saw of heaven that says you are great, you are glorious, you are awesome. And Father, I thank you for the warnings because the warnings are because you care. You discipline the ones you love like a father would do. Father God, I thank you for the messages that say, turn, change, come back, repent. So Father, this morning in this place, I ask that you're challenging hearts and that people will not build up their walls and their defenses, but that people will accept your word, that people will accept your love and that people will get rid of the rubbish that clogs up the arteries and will say, no more. I want to be holy because God says I am. I want to be holy because he's made me holy. And as a result, I will know contentment. I will know peace. I will know love. I will know joy. Father God, help us to stop fighting against you and help us to journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.